Well, I'm excited about this series that God has given to me. The, um, the name of it is Thriving in Chaos. Uh, today, the title of my message is Two Realities. Uh, you're going to hear what this two reality is much later in the service. But you know that we are living in a world that is overly stimulated. Stimulated by the informational news that is bombarding us from all this chaos and everything that we are experiencing. Yet, in a deeply divided country, it really is difficult to find a consensus about anything except for the fact that we are in troubling times. While the chaos and the upheaval really isn't nothing new. It's always been with us from the very beginning of time. But what is new is how we're gathering all this information. Instead of just trying to struggle to get, gather everything we can on a particular subject that we are concerned about what's going on in our country, is now we are inundated with a constant flow of new social media and questionable facts. What's the truth? And for many, gathering all this information really has become, well, an occupation. They, they're living a full-time job out of it. There's very little time for, well, their own lives or real life and real-time interaction with people. And, well, the truth is maybe where is the truth in all this? The, the irony of the human brain which enables us to navigate through all this, is still using that complex, ancient, well, system. It's called the brain. And what happens is that in the cortex of our mind, we gather everything around us that is happening, and we scan the environment to see if there's anything that we need to be concerned about or that is dangerous for us. And then the mind triggers a physical response. It is fight or flight, run, regardless of the source of that stress. And, and here's the thing is that with that, having too much information rather than having just a little information, we, we get to have now too many choices instead of just a few choices. And as a result, what happens with us is that we look for patterns because we like patterns. Patterns are things in which we can put our hands around. This is, this is what's going to happen, A, B, C, D, and E. And we look for these patterns so that we could come to a conclusion that fits our thought process. Now, this behavior, well, it gets kind of... Um, Challenging because today we have that 140 character um, on text or Twitter that comes our way from multiple different people. We have the TV shows, the social media updates from well, from friends and family. And here's, now I I like to watch sports. I really enjoy sports, but because I use sports to escape now, in the midst of the whole sports thing. Now there's this, all this social media stuff is dealing with, well, what's going on in our world today. It just seems like we just can't get away from it. We're being 
overly stimulated. So what do we do? Here's something that I'm sure of, and that is uh, uh, we live in a fallen world. Something that is always, there will be something that is always broken or breaking. But the fact is this, is that when we're bombarded with a never-ending stream, well, of crisis, each one at those times brings a, a massive um, um, concern that are we able to survive that that crisis, that concern, and no wonder, no wonder people, well, they're losing hope. But here's something that I really want you to uh, get, well, wrap your head around. It's this: when we focus on the size of our problems, we forget the size of God. Now that's showing up on the side of the screen here. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it slow. And I want you to repeat it because I want you to understand what is being said and that you hear yourself saying it. When we focus on the size of our problems, we forget the size of God. So here's a question I have for you. How big is our God? Here's a truth that you could be stimulated about. And this truth is this. God has promised to work in all things. God has promised to work in all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, this doesn't say everything that happens to us is good. Here's what it's saying. And it's going to come up on, on the screen again, it says this, nothing is beyond his ability to redeem or overcome for his good pleasure. Wow. Well, you see that there? I just want you to look at that. Read it over. Nothing is beyond his ability to redeem or overcome for his good purpose. Hmm. He took a deadly Friday and turned it into a good Friday. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ was the greatest act of injustice and the triumph of evil that has ever taken in the history of mankind. The crucifixion of Christ was something that was, well, it was horrible to really get into the details of everything that Christ has gone through. Today yet, we celebrate it because, you see, three days later, Sunday came and everything changed. Do I hear a hallelujah out there? Now, when we have a God who has allowed all but one of the disciples to be martyred, it must have looked such like a devastating event in the life of the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Yet, the blood of the martyrs turned into the seed of the church. And as always happens, Satan's seemingly his victory was nothing more than a smokescreen. 
It is his ultimate defeat. Do I hear another hallelujah? So listen, church, nothing, do you hear me? Nothing has changed. Our God is still at work, even when it looks like, well, we have lost all hope. He's never surprised, and he's never overwhelmed. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's never changed. We could take that to the banks of heaven itself. You see, my friend, consider the how bleak it must have looked for China when they were overrun by the uh, the, the the communism power, this atheistic power that that wanted to take God out of this land. It looked as bad that the well, the bad guys won and the good guys lost. Missionaries were kicked out. Christians were harshly persecuted. The gospel was forced to go underground and seemingly silent. See, the, the Western civilization, they were looking at that, wringing their hands and wondering, oh, no. Is this, is this going to spread across the world? But you see, what happened, the leaders of China and their allies, what they meant for evil, God actually did good out of it. See, eventually, all that stuff of that communist power was exposed. But in the meantime, the gospel that had appeared to be silent, when it went underground, it actually flourished. In fact, it flourished so much that it grew many times more than it ever had grown when they were able to preach, well, not underground, when they were able to have that open services, that the church was very much alive. And I want you to know something. The church today is very much alive. I read a few weeks ago, and I just can't get it out of my head, is that we are not closed. We are deployed. And that has touched my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit, that we as a body of Christ, we are deployed. And it is so much the same today as it was back then. The increasing moral and cultural decay of our society is, well, is not something that catches God unprepared for. It's beyond, it's not beyond his power to redeem. He has always, he has always had a plan. I love Jeremiah 29, 11, when it says, For I know the plans I have for you. That is the Lord speaking. It says that I know that I have the plans for you. The plans to prosper you, to um, not bring harm to you, and plans to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan. Nothing could change that. Nothing catches God unprepared. He knew that this was coming, and he will use this for the glory of his kingdom. I have seen things going on 
since the past four and a half months, almost five months now, since we had to close our doors and go online with our services. I have seen God do things in homes and in the church, in the lives of people that, well, maybe have never would have happened if we had everything opened up. Because, you see, it causes us to get out of a routine. It causes us to get out of a rut, actually. And it causes us to begin to say, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do it? Where do you want us to take this? Because, my friend, God is very much alive. See, I may not always understand his plans, or I may not always agree with his timing. But the last time I checked, hmm, he's God and I'm not. So I guess I'm going to trust in what he's doing and the timing he's doing it and, well, how he is doing it. So we should choose to make sure that God's character, his power, and his promises are always the major part of everything that we bring in to our mind. Because this word has to have priority in our lives. Not the news broadcast, not what's being tweeted, not what is being texted to us, <coughs> <clears throat> excuse me, not as what's on your Facebook, not as what, what people are calling you up or texting you about. It is what God's word has to say. This is a priority. And anything and everything out there has to be filtered through this word. But this word has to come as a priority. Listen, church, we must refuse to analyze the present situation, and the forecast of the future without including the promises of God in the equation. Because if we don't do that, well, it's bad math. It's not only bad math, it's really goofy conclusions that will come forth. So, so I, I look at his word, and, and I want to receive that advice that he has. Someone in his word was giving us advice, and, well, he was in prison. Well, and as he was in prison, well, it was the apostle Paul. And I wanted to get his perspective on all that. And we get a glimpse of all this because he's writing a letter to the church in Philippi. And he was writing from the Roman, well, prison there. And, and remember this, is that they didn't have a watch group back then to be able, as we do in the 21st century, to be able to make sure that all the food in the prison is tasting and that all of the exercise equipment in the yard is well equipped. Paul shared with his readers the very secret of his personal optimism and his ability to cope with anything that was coming his way. Why? Because he was careful what was coming in to his mind. See, along with the request as he was praying, Lord, change the circumstance, he made sure that he included a recital. A recital is something that we could do again and again and again 
in the den. I'm, I'm amazed that there's times that, that where people will watch a sporting event and, and they like something, so they will go back and they would watch it again and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again because they enjoyed what was happening in the outcome of that sporting event. That's what I think about the Word of God. When God's Word is speaking to my life, and there's something that is very powerful, I want to read it again, and I wanted to read it again. I want to drink it in. I, I, I want to give you a God whatever. You know, we, we hear teenagers, they'll say, whatever, you know. Well, I'm going to give you God's whatever. And it's seven, seven perfect whatevers. It's found in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 8 and 9. It's this, finally, brothers and sisters, that's us. Right? I'm talking to you. If you're with someone there in that room or wherever you may be, look over and say, now pay attention because he's talking to you. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy. Ready? Think. Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received and heard from me or seen in me, here it is. Put it in practice and God of peace will be with you. Practice, that is living it out. It's beyond the just thinking. It is beyond the talking. It's beyond just the reading it. It is putting it into practice. I spoke about that this past Wednesday, that we put this word into practice. It is not good enough just to read. It's great reading. It's exciting reading. But if we don't walk in it, in him we live and we move and we have our being. It is in him. It's in his word. It's his character that is upon us. You see, church, I've got to practice this faith. In other words, Paul understood and applied uh, a principle, garbage in and garbage out. He knew that the thoughts he put in determined the feelings that came out. Can I say that again? He understood the thoughts he put into his mind determined the feelings that have come out. That is why, despite of the beatings and imprisonment and, and the stoning and, and running for his life because of the hostility that was out there, he was able to view it all. Listen to this, because this is out of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18, as a momentary troubles in light of the blessings to come. I don't know about you, but a momentary uh, on troubles is, is not just a beating. I mean, that's, that's, that's long-lasting. But he called it momentary because he's seen it through the eyes of God's word. And if I want to have a Daniel-like courage <laughs> to go into that lion's den, 
and, and have that courage not to huddle into a corner and whimper like a baby, but to go to sleep. Or a Paul-like peace, knowing that God is there with him through all this. We need to follow their example. Instead of letting our friends or the social media or the latest crisis determine our outlook on life and whatever the news broadcast is giving to us, we need to let the scripture, our personal experience with that power of God and his many promises in which he has for us. And I know that, that we can't get off sometimes that social media because some of you are addicted to it. But, but can, can I direct you to a social media event in the book of Daniel? It's in Daniel, the sixth chapter, verse 10. Because maybe this was the first, well, social media um, shout out, broadcast, I don't know. You call it what you want to call it. But it goes like this. And when Daniel learned that the decree of had been published, he went home and um, to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to God just as he has done before. You see, he went home, he flicked on his social media website, the windows of his bedroom, and he prayed, not in silence, but he prayed out loud, shouting out the promises of God. <laughs> When's the last time that you shouted out the promises of God? You see, this is what I call good in and great thinking out. And for some of us, it will mean that we need to hit the mute button on everything that is trying to get our attention away from God's word, away from his promises, and hear what he is saying. Because ultimately, it's not the circumstances that determines the outcome, you know. Huh? or the outlook. It's the way that we interpret our circumstances that determines our outlook. Here's where the title of this message is, at the very end, that there are two realities. The one reality is the chaos of the world in which we're living in. I cannot deny it. It's there. But the second reality is God's kingdom is real as well. That's why Romans 8, verse 31 says this. What? <laughs> what then shall we say in response to those things, this chaos, to those things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let me ask you that question then, my friend. How big is your God? I'm not denying that there is that real chaos that is out there. 
But what I am doing is that I am declaring that there is a word of God to trump anything that is out there. So start texting God's promises. So start Facebooking God's promises. Start messaging God's promises. Start speaking God's promises. Start shouting. Open up your windows. You know, maybe when you're driving in this 110, 114, 15 degree weather, whatever it is out there these days, wind the window down, turn on your radio and start shouting the praises of God. Lit, lit those cars around because I see people shouting about all types of other stuff. I'm going to shout the praises of God. Can I pray for you? Can I pray that, that it's going to be the good news and the great response out in our lives? Let's, let's get stimulated, not by the craziness that's out there in the world, but by the amazing promises and the truth of God's Word speaking into our lives. Then, we're going to have some great worship at the end here. And the title of that song is The Healer. And maybe I need the healing of my mind, the renewing of our minds. Why? Because God wants to stimulate this in his word. I told my pastoral staff about what we're going to be doing in the future, about the areas of discipleship and evangelism. I am so pumped. I am so excited about this. And I literally told them, if you're not passionate about it, get out of my boat. Because we are going to do something that this church hasn't done in 95 years. Now, I know that we've always have thought about discipleship and evangelism, but in the ways that we are going to be doing this is that I'm shouting out because, you see, this chaos has deployed Chandler First Assembly of God. It has caused us to rethink what we're doing, and we are shouting God's praises because of the goodness that is coming in and the amazing truth that will be coming.